Welcome back to the School of Calisthenics. This is another podcast, and this time we're going to go on a Q&A, both from Instagram, questions sent in, and we went live as well at the same time to get get some response from the people, Dave. Yeah, we've uh, we've had some tremendous guests on recently, and we thought we'd bring it back this week to just Tim and Jacko answering your guys' questions. And we love on the podcast to be able to go into a bit more in a bit more depth and detail of those answers um, as well as we love answering questions on the DMs but the podcast gets us, lets us take a little bit of a deep dive so as Tim said we've got some questions like that that we answered as well as people uh, joining in on the live so it's a little bit of a mashup between those two a few quick fire ones a few in a little bit more detail but we hope it helps you with your training and you enjoy it and please let us know what do you think of it? Yeah, we really enjoy the Q&As, guys. So if you have got questions, feel free to email them in. You can send them to virtualclassroom at schoolofcalisthenics.com and that comes directly through to us. Or you can send them to us on Instagram or whatever your preferred social media format is. And if you get yourself in the algorithm, you're going to get on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know what the algorithm is, go back to episode four or five and you'll <laughs> find out. So until next, well, not until next no. time, we haven't started yet. Sit back, Sit back and relax. Tim and Jacko answering your questions on the School of Calisthenics podcast. Hit the jingle! All right, let's get into this one. So the first question comes in from Alan Craig. Uh, he says, hi guys, thanks for motivating me and teaching me so much. It would be a huge contribution if you did a podcast addressing the needs of older athletes who, like me, have come to bodyweight calisthenics later in life. I started about four years ago at age 61 because it broke the boredom of lifting weights and built both strength and neurological skills, including balance and proprioception. The progressive nature of your impossible gives me clear pathways and goals. As older men, we've faced real challenges in building and keeping lean mass and making the strength progressions we need for things like handstands, press-ups, which is his current uh, impossible. He says it might be a little bit sort of humiliated or too shy to go to um, go amongst 19-year-olds to a workshop, um, but there are a number of grown people, a number of people, growing number of people who are inspired by... Us, which is nice yeah. to say. So the yeah. thoughts on well, initially, Alan, like um, your six, so like good effort at sixty-one. That is not young to be um, changing up your training, which is great. And I love the fact that you've also already got um, on board and understanding like the, the the benefits where you talk about like balance and proprioception. So much more to just building um, strength of it. We just to sort of context that at workshops we have very little 19 year olds coming yeah. on workshops and much more uh, graham um parrington is 71 now he's like our, the oldest student that we've had but we've had many people at uh, classes and at workshops that are in their 50s and also 60s it's normal for so a beginner's workshop particularly yeah, it's it, normal for someone who's over 50 to come along which yeah. is amazing so we encourage you to and that you're in california um <laughs> we'd like to come to california when we come to america um for sure but also um yeah, that 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 you're not alone in. We are aware that, as you say, there are a growing number of you um, that are on that journey, and uh, you say inspired, but inspired by us. But actually, we are inspired uh, by you. We both hope that when we're also in our sixties, that we are still looking for new ways to train and um, still enjoying 
calisthenics and enjoy moving our bodies yeah so in terms of um the challenges or potential things that to, to be aware of it, it really comes down to fairly simple process of ensuring that what you're doing is progressive there is no reason why you can't start bodyweight training at um in your 60s or 70s or, or whenever in life the fact that it plays and you're only ever really managing your own body weight is massively significant it's, it's an appropriate therefore uh, method of exercise rather than potentially thinking that at 61 we're going to start doing powerlifting which we should not say that you can't but it, um, body weight training is you're only ever managing your own body mass and, and our bodies are designed to, to be able to um, we're able to the amount of muscle mass that we have in relation to our bone mass uh, means that we are generally sort of always going to be playing within what we're built and designed to be able to do. So there's a really, a really good evidence base and um, philosophy around using calisthenics because of some of the things that you've touched on. It integrates the whole kinetic chain. So the things that we want as we get older are going to be balanced and proprioception so that we don't fall over. We need joint stability. We want basic strength so that we can continue to live a functional and enjoyable life and we don't find ourselves confined to sitting for hours and then because we just struggle with the strength or the stability to go out and, and, and live life. And the, the range of major considerations are, as I said, is the same for anybody. Just go progressively. Make sure that you're building from one stage to another. that you earn the right to progress. Stay away from pain. If anything hurts or is uncomfortable, then you, are, you want to sort of move away from that or find out what the root cause of that is going to be. And I think the major sort of consideration just to be is where you invest more of your time. So as you get older, we know that we're going to lose uh, muscle uh, extensibility or tissue flexibility range of movement as we as we age it's more like we actually did a podcast quite recently with Eric Cressy that went out this week and, and he talked about it being sort of like the difference as you get older of like where you're young your muscle is like filet mignon like really nice quality it's supple it moves well it's like soft and, and mobile and hydrated whereas as you start to get older your tissue ends up a bit more like beef jerky a bit more sort of like gristly and worn down and it means you just can't bounce back as quickly so those things of making sure that you're progressing making sure you got appropriate rest built in and that is all going to be individual your training background and where you're at is going to determine how much training you can do so it just becomes a really important thing that you listen to your body but that isn't any different to what i need to do at 38 years old um so those are my key things really be progressive stay away from pain make sure that it's um you're you're, you're building an appropriate recovery and probably spend more time on movement and mobility um and and it's not all about whether how much strength work you can do, high tension holds. I mean, if you if you want to do those things, then, then by all means, don't feel like you can't. Um, it's just that there are some things which are going to become more of a priority in terms of living a healthy and functional life as you get older, like mobility and movement, as opposed to whether you can do a 60 kilo pull-up. Yep, no, definitely. I think it's not, a, it's all those things that Tim just said and not sort of being in a rush. We've got people on the on the live uh, watching as well and Richard, uh, Drolsvi is 57 um, so he's in, in similar age bracket to yourself and um, says he loves the training slow and steady progress but I figure I have plenty of time to get it right which um, is I think the, the really nice message to just add on to that that even as we get older that we still have lots of time and there's no the only time you're going to get and the only time I've ever gone into trouble with my training is when I'm trying to rush to get something done so rather than rush it almost I've talked a lot recently about the longer it takes you to do something, the more you're going to learn about your body and listening to your body. Like Tim says, knowing when to rest and um, making sure that your training is progressive, but also very specific to you that 
just because someone else can train handstands three times a week doesn't mean that that's going to be the right thing for you if your wrist and your shoulder feel sore when you do it three times a week but it feels fine when you do it once a week well then probably once a week is the right thing that you need to do so some of just trial error test yeah. um and, and make sure that it's it's right for you my, my last two points are um, don't get caught in thinking that the really complex stuff is where you need to spend all of your time like yes there is value there but just on using the rings and doing archer push-ups for example what we would term our strength and play or our movement variations where you're just building basic sort of strength in different ranges of movement you're getting stability through the, the eyes to the joint from a, from a shoulder perspective and down through the into the, the, the kinetic chain or through into the spinal stabilizers those are all really important things and then the, the last thing really is to make sure that you're getting some lower body work in there as well. Um, our legs are going to carry us around summer or winter. We want to sort of be stable and, and resistant to trips and falls. Um, so any sort of uh, lower body stability work, like single leg squat work or anything like that, is going to be really useful. And if you can get some hopping and just balance and basic low level jumping potentially, or even high level jumping if you can handle it, uh, some plyometric work in there to keep the type two fibers twitching. Those are the ones which are going to be quite reactive if we are to fall or trip or anything like that. And I really don't want to stereotype against like what happens in old people fall over it's just something that we see from uh, as people age as they lose function they are more prone to trips and falls yeah. um, and it might be that I hope I get to the 61 71 and I'm not bothered about it because yeah. I've got enough like I'm not the, I'm not the guy who falls over yeah. but um, he did, Alan did, also just needs to be progressive yeah, and he did highlight balance and proprioception and yeah. Tim's right like being able to make sure that we do that the, the other thing just to add to that which um, I hadn't really thought about before um, was um, we did this coaches day at the circus and one thing they did mention on this topic was learning and being comfortable with falling correctly so that if we do fall how do we roll so we were doing like forward rolls sideward rolls and just different ways of being able to get down to the floor and back up and just being having loads of fun and being creative with that um down on like grass or a matted floor or something yeah. but actually that is something to that i found was actually really fun but also is preparing us as we get older so not you know one of the things that we're saying is whether we make we get we get hurt by how we hit the ground rather than the fact that we are actually going down. Yeah, there's one thing that I really liked to the Eric Cressy podcast again. I listened to it back yesterday and um, he says, he, I think he's actually taking it from a guy called Charlie Weingraff who says, get long, get strong, train hard. And I think that's a really good thing from, from anybody. Yeah. It's like actually get long in terms of range of movement, get focus on mobility, get strong through range of movement. And that doesn't have to be maximal strength. Strength can be one rep at super heavy weight, or it could also be 10 reps at a really moderate weight. It doesn't matter. Like it, it depends on, on where we need to be. And endurance type strength has got a role as has our maximal strength, but then train hard okay let's put that down as train smart um, and you want to yeah. do the least amount of training to get the most amount of change and that's consistent for whatever age you're at um, and just thinking about how you can be intelligent about how you structure your training program so I think if, by all means I think you, you, it sounds like you're on a great you understand a lot of what you're talking yeah. about already so have the confidence to crack on and see where it goes and, and just continue to enjoy life and yeah. You're on the, the benefits from having a great functioning system. You're on the right track. Keep us updated with how mm. you're getting on, and that goes for all of you. But um, And also, if you get any stumbling blocks and roadblocks on the way and you've got questions, then that's what we're here for to help, whether it's on a full podcast or whether it's just on an email or, or a direct message. Um, we are here to help you. 
Next question one, number two, we're going to get, there was a question I had in come in through, through our Instagram actually, but then there's on the, it's a very similar question on the live now. And something that we've been posting about a little bit more recently, movement preparation, it falls into that. So uh, Scorpio Max 43 um, and, uh, has asked, um, struggling with a little bit of shoulder pain and tightness um, when attempting a frog stand, how can it do something to ease the shoulder muscles? And the other question that we had that was similar to this was around um, like shoulders feeling tight and a bit rounded in the posture. What types of things do we need to, need to be doing to try and improve that? And I thought that really would open up the, the conversation around the importance of movement preparation and what that might entail for somebody if they were going to be doing, let's in this example, like a handstand yeah. session. Yeah, I mean, we've been sort of digging into these concepts a little bit more recently. And if you've got pain, it's a, it's a sign that something's not right. So if you're in pain while you're doing it, either you don't have the range of movement, there's some kind of neurological potential, like neural issue, neural tightness potentially. It could be a number of different things. And our first port of call is always going to be... Um, go and get if it's in pain you're generally in pain go and get someone to to have a look at it if it only happens when you frog stand is there a position or movement where you don't get pain so can you find some kind of variation which which helps but the real the real value is actually can you understand why and what it is and then if we can then understand how to start to, to do something about it movement preparation is a really useful tool in that because if you start to educate yourself around if I mobilize the joint, so I get pain in my shoulder, if I get my massage ball out and I roll my lats a little bit and I do a lat mobilization and then I try my forest and the pain goes away, then we're on to something good if the, if the performance improves. If I do that and I do a frog stand and then it's exactly the same, then I probably haven't hit the target area of, or haven't done something which is actually making... The, the, the human system or the brain body interface operate better so there is there's that point of, of a bit of trial and error and that's if you're not going to go and get a diagnosed if you actually just want to go someone to tell you what, what the problem is you might just want to go and see somebody um and we, we always include movement prep in the, in the first part of every single training program that we have on the virtual classroom there is a movement preparation section which is giving you movement specific um release techniques movement specific mobilization techniques and activation techniques which are going to prime the joints involved and the, and the positions involved for a flag or a handstand or whatever it might be but they are generally actually just all-round useful mobilization exercises and then there's also the movement and mobility masterclass that we did with ollie frost it's yeah. it's a master of understanding or trying to identify the source or root cause of why you're in pain and then doing something about it by finding the right tools which are going to help to make that pain go away and it can be complicated and tricky but that's sort of like if you don't want to get help you've got to go and do it yourself and, yeah. and that trial error is a way of of doing that yeah because different things are going to work for different people yeah. and different everyone's going to have different problems what we always say is that you know if you're in if you're in pain seeing somebody uh, like a physio or doctor as tim said because asking someone across instagram when they can't actually physically see you and make an assessment of you then you're probably not it's going to be very difficult to get the right um, advice whereas the advice needs to be quite specific to you but in terms of our general preparation for uh, training like that's where we try to ensure that our movement preparation is specific to the the session we're about to do and specific to us as individuals if i struggle with overhead uh, range of motions i say full shoulder flexion then and i want to do a handstand session i've got to be making sure i'm doing something to try and improve that range of motion and, and increase uh, stability at those end ranges before i then go and jump straight into my handstand training rather than 
jumping straight into handstand training, complaining that my shoulder hurts and then ignoring that and not listening to my body. One thing that's consistent, it comes to the second part of the question around um, having rounded shoulders and feeling quite slumped and difficult to move. Um, nearly all of the, the, the classroom and the, the mobility work that we'll do pre-session is going to be focused on trying to get the shoulder back into a better position. Yeah. We do so much in terms of sitting and driving and, and just generally sort of slouched forward posture. And some people are just like over years have just adopted that as their go-to shape. But we need to mobilize the thoracic spine. We need to get some range of movement back out of the anterior shoulder or the muscles which are pulling the, sh- the shoulder anteriorly and internally rotating, predominantly pecs and lats. And we then need to give some strength to the retractors of the shoulder blades to try and get them back into a more neutral position and get some more postural balance around the shoulder. So those it's, it's a postural thing that you need to work on. There's going to be a need to release some tight tissue and there's going to be a need to activate some underactive musculature. And there are a number of different ways that you can do that. Um, we often use mobility works if like a self-myofascial release, like a rolling on a ball to get some tension out, which is similar to having some hands-on therapy via physio or sports masseuse. Mobilizing into a position to create some more range of movement and then activating with isolated uh, movement. So it could be we use a YTW to activate mid-low traps, add a little bit of strength. They are going to hold the shoulder in a better position um, and that's going to sort of uh, that's going to improve just generally your 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 structure integrity and your your static posture and dynamic posture so it's an investment in time it's not always an easy win but again you've got to you've got to invest some time and embrace that process of understanding what you need to do and you've got to do it consistently um, and uh, yeah that, that is the is probably the number one thing we i often use a phrase or, or talk about range of movement being the cornerstone of performance if you have range of movement, everything is much easier. If you're struggling and you've got compensations in your in your postural positions, which means you lack range of movement, we're fighting for the rest. Anything else we want to do, we're going to, it's going to be a fight because we can't move into positions that we want to move into and we don't have the muscular balance and um, synchronization activation patterns to actually then be efficient and effective in those positions as well. Um, we're going to go for question number three. We're going to go back to the live, um, and it's going to be a relatively quick one, hopefully. Um, so, two Easter egg two. Interesting. Yeah. That's Easter eggs just always makes me think of chocolate. Asking about diet is asking what our diet is. Are we vegetarian? Question mark. Vegan? Question mark. We're neither of those two things. We've, we've recorded a podcast recently. We've got more content coming out to you that's based around um, nutritional practices or our nutritional habits and our thoughts on nutrition which in a little bit of a nutshell is very much based on um eating for longevity and overall health so keeping um, processed foods down to a minimum and having everything in moderation having a nice wide variety of wholesome healthy um uh, whole foods um throughout our diet as much as we as much as we can but knowing that um we try to do that in as in moderation and that when it's never it's never perfect for each of us uh, overall tim is probably eats um a slightly lower carb diet than i do but that's what works for him and 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 that's what works for me and what we've both done over a number of years is trial and error again the same way like with the mobility with this diet we need to not there's not one diet that's right for everybody there's lots of uh, people all over the world in all sorts of different cultures that are the healthiest people and population in in or in the top um percentage of people in the world and they and they in terms of health and they eat very different diets 
but things that they have in common are that it's not processed food it's not really high in sugar um, and it's, it's got a lot of vegetables around, in it it's got a lot of vegetables in it it's from what is um, around them uh, so that is probably our current thoughts and take home messages yeah. on that we've started eating more vegetarian meals throughout the week myself and my wife and I really I like it I enjoy it I've got um, we would have normally gone out for a meal and there was no chance we'd even look to the vegetarian option but yeah. I do now I've got I much did, more comfortable with this I had a vegetarian like burger the other day which I've never done I was like as in out it was like it just sounded great and I thought and I was like yeah I even said it was with two other mates that I've not seen for a while and I was like this is going to be weird guys I'm going to order veggie. the veggie burger. Yeah, it's cool. It was nice. Yeah. It's good. Um, wanted just a little quick shout out to Dan. Coach Dan is just showing us some love um, about in how much he's enjoying the virtual classroom, been to some of the workshops, and so just yeah, reciprocating. Legend. Yeah, so this is from Nico. I don't know how to pronounce your second Underscore. name. Underscore. A-G-R-D-A-Y. Um, so he's got a few questions. Uh, how much time did it take you to perfectly master the handstand push-ups? I mean, being able to do three or four without losing a form or balance. I'm still working on my strength with the wall, sometimes using little benches to go deeper, sometimes not. So how long does it take? Um, these are difficult questions. So for me, I can give you from a personal perspective. Yeah. Tim, can, I, I'm still working on mine. I can't do three or four any day of the week without question yeah you've done like 10 like you could do yeah. three or four probably now if i asked you to yeah sometimes then, get a little bit rusty in the uh, in the skill position and the pattern but I, I never it's not been something which i went right now i can do a handstand all i'm going to focus on is is my handstand push up it's something which i've just let kind of like evolve over time so um we've been training calisthenics for about five years um and I've been handstanding since the start, but I've only more recently this year set myself a target of nailing my handstand push-up properly. And I'm, I've, I've built a lot of strength over the years from doing a lot of wall-based um, handstand push-up work. It's probably my in, favourite part of handstand calisthenics. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, you've, you, it's probably fair to say that you love yeah. handstands. And I like handstand push-ups. I like yeah. being strong in handstand push-ups. And you, even though you hadn't done any five and a half years ago, you hadn't done any hand balancing, you um, took to it relatively well. Yeah, I'm probably better at pushing movements than pull. Um, and it does probably just testament to what I'd done previously. Yeah. And you never know what your biomechanics and that sort of stuff contribute to. But pushing wins come easy for me. So how long is it going to take? It's a tricky one to say. <laughs> it depends on how true? good your handstand is. It depends on, on what drills you're going to use. The reality is that um, you're going to have to go and get strong. And that the process of how strong you are is going to, may take some time, depending on how many times you, you train and, and uh, what your, your quality of movement is going to be like. So I'm going to flip this and spin it away from giving you any sort of decent answer, which you go, right, okay, six weeks, we're going to do a handstand push-up. It is your journey. Like, it doesn't really matter yeah. how long it takes. You may well want to put a time frame on it, but I've there's movements that I'm working on and have worked on that I've put time frames on I'm going, I'm going to do this by the end of the year and I haven't done it for a number of different reasons not just because I don't like have the it's not it's not based on what I've done in training and whether I've trained enough it's like I've maybe just had a baby or work's really busy and I couldn't train as much so yeah, just embrace the journey and as cliche as that sounds it's true you've just got to go at your own pace if you do the right things consistently you'll get there get strong learn the skill position in the movement so you, you've got to get comfortable in that bottom shape and, and you can do all that stuff from freestanding practice but also using the wall um, yeah. and yeah I don't know if you've got anything that's just that, the biggest take home like get strong like the thing that and I, I was witnesses I see Tim training not necessarily all the time we don't always train together but 
when you went from being able to do some handstand push-ups and they were always pretty good to then just doing like 10 in a row and like seemingly like watching it like look pretty easy as well mm. at that was you just did so much strength work and that's something that we've got to we've got to encourage you to do and you came up with this phrase strength in abundance that you felt that when you've got that much strength there it allows you to focus on the other things and actually i'd almost say on top of that when you've got so much strength, it actually makes the balance easier. Yeah. So not just about being able to cognitively focus on something else like my hip position, my legs, my actual balance. I, I'm feeling that the stronger I get, the balance and the, te- the, the that's not a problem. The mm. balance and the position is not the issue. The reason I can't do three, four, five, six, ten handstand push-ups is because when I get into the deep bottom position, I'm dying. Yeah. Like so. Half, halfway down or three quarters of the way down I could probably do ten and I wouldn't lose my balance because yeah, yeah. it's that deep that range at the bottom where I haven't got enough strength but the more strength I build up and I'm whether using the wall or actually deficit so hands on a box or hands on something higher up off the floor but pike push up so your feet up and you are uh, 90 degrees um, and building strength really low down there um, that is definitely a way to make that bottom position feel com- more comfortable and you having more strength through there. Yeah, you don't want to be going down to the bottom of your handstand push up wondering whether you're strong <laughs> enough to get back up. That's the upshot. Yep. And if you want to do four reps or five reps or 10 reps, you need to be strong enough to be able to do f- yeah. more than that. Because think about against the wall, say you, you want to be able to maybe do, I hate putting numbers on stuff, but if you put them up against the wall and said, how many handstand push-ups can you do off the floor, like without being elevated, I'm going to hit 20. Yeah. Um, so and when, when I come onto the floor, like I need to be able to do more than that. And then I need to be able to probably get some through range of movement as well. So there's a number of different variables, but as Jacko mm. says, just get strong and then start yeah. to, build that process from there one other thing is that a variable that you often doesn't get trained or doesn't get don't utilize as part of the training process particularly for handstand push-up stuff is the speed you move at you'll find that if you move even when you're doing your wall handstand push-ups or your pike push-ups to build up the strength if you just go slower so literally like five seconds down pause at the bottom five seconds up so you're actually making yourself go awkwardly slow it's gonna it's gonna gas you you're gonna make the strength element of that's gonna feel really really difficult but that is the type of strength that you're gonna need for your freestanding handstand push-ups because you can't rush those because then you'll lose your balance so automatically when you're doing freestanding ones you automatically go slower and if you've never trained to move uh, to be strong going through slow controlled movements you, you you're gonna find it really difficult to transfer that across so have a play around with slowing down the the tempo we would call it how fast down and 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 how fast up you come uh, to to get some strength benefits. Hit me with some quick fire, Jacko. Um, okay. Um, there was one about how many times a week should you train? There's a good uh, Yeah, so there. it depends on what your lifestyle is like. Um, there is no optimum in terms of like, if you can train five times a week, you're probably going to get gains faster than if you can do one time a week. Um, so you just need to work out what you can do within what your what's feasible for you based on work, family, access to facilities, training venues that sort of stuff so train as much as you feel is right really there's yeah. no and just embrace the the, the, the process that you're going to go through and what's achievable within that time but if you want to put a number on for it if you can hit three sessions a week then you're going to be you've got a good chance of moving forwards pretty quick 
Yeah, but you got to find what, as Tim says, you got to yeah. find what works for you. Uh, there's not one correct answer for everyone. It depends. Um, Star dot Fisher, what kind of exercises and how frequent should I train my core abs slash core? I feel that my core is the weakest, and my bottleneck to overcome other movements. I can do crunches, but I still can't do sit up or V up. I would say, and before just quickly before yeah, go Tim goes in, um, that well, with I did this whole thing around Christmas about core upgrade and there's a couple of blogs on the website and even in Instagram highlights if you go into our Instagram home our Instagram profile there's a core upgrade where you can click on that and there's a load of different exercises of me going through it there's go to the website scorecastnets.com and there is a blog titled core upgrade if you just search even that in in Google scorecastnets core upgrade it will come up um, where it was identifying a weakness for myself, like like same as you, and going, okay, how can I, um, how, what can I, what areas do I need to work on? And it's more than I didn't do any crunches. We're more about understanding what is the purpose of the core um, and what are the movements that I'm trying to work on. So, does my core need to be able to maintain the structural integrity of my body position? So that would be actually resisting movements. And then there is also like what. Uh, when do I need my to be able to actually flex at the hip and at the spine and knowing the difference between the two rather than just crunching is all that's going to do is work more of the, the rectus abdominis going into uh, just flexion of your spine um, which is not necessarily t- uh, training the whole of your core the whole of your trunk musculature to be able to actually do its job in terms of maintaining um, spinal stability um, for one thing and actually being a little bit more specific to the training that you do how often you do it well if you can be quite good with your positions of even doing something as um, as basic as a push-up if you can be aware of the shape that you're making with your body when you're doing that you're going to be training your core so it can be done in all of the exercises you're doing with body weight that's one of the great things about body weight but you need to be you need some body awareness whilst you're training rather than if you repeatedly do something in a poor position with your arch back uh, your, your lower back arch and, and your core not engaged correctly then you're not going all you're going to do is reaffirm that bad pattern um, but then in terms of what, what, I've, what I tended to do was just a little dedicated superset at the end of each session where I would have one um, one more sort of like strength-based exercise and then one with a little bit more sort of volume stability-wise where um, a lot of the core musculature wants to be trained with sort of high repetition. So um, we would, I was doing things like I might do like an ab rollout for 10 reps and then superset that with 20 hollow rocks and we're flipping lower abs on absolute fire. Um, so have a look at uh, have a look at the blog in particular that will help explain a little bit more detail and give you some of the exercises to to run through. This is an interesting one. I'm going to quick on this one from um, Gabriel S A N C B. Uh, when having a shoulder injury and not being able to move that much, is there any training you can do to avoid losing that much strength whilst recovery? This is a really uh, interesting one. Something I've done with athletes before in the past. When one in particular springs to mind, when he had a, a wrist injury and we couldn't train uh, one side of the body or one arm, uh, very close to a major competition that we needed to prep for. There is some science to show from a neurological perspective. If you train the uninjured side, you will get some contact or some similar. Gain in the in the injured side so say for example my left shoulder is is 
is out of action. If I'm going to go and do some work on the rowing side, say I'm going to do some strength work on the on the right side, like rows, or I'm going to do some scaption work or whatever it might be, there is some evidence which suggests that the the, un, the, the left side will also reap some of those benefits. So you can do that. Don't go crazy. So you end up with one jacked up shoulder, but just giving the neural sort of uh, refresh and a bit of regular sort of stimulus to the to the uninjured side may well give you some or, or limit the strength losses on the on the injured arm. And the other thing to think about is that injury are opportunities so what are you doing or what when your shoulders fit and healthy what do you ignore doing what don't you do much of whether that's mobility or lower body work or whatever else it is identify something else that you can use um as or you can adopt as a bit of a training stimulus focus for that period of time whilst your shoulder returns to full health great answer I would say one thing <laughs> just from a personal I remember when I knackered my right shoulder I did I've, I've thought about I thought this was when I was playing rugby and I, I went to um, pick up a relatively light dumbbell with my left arm and I was in agony because it was just my injury. I had a bad injury. I'd broken my scapula in two places um, on the right side and I actually, my, I couldn't, I, the point I was at was I wasn't able to. So if, it, if, if literally you get pain on the side that hurts even when you're not using it, um, then you need to stay away from, yeah. stay away from, stay pain. Away from it depends pain. how bad your injury is. All right, you another one? Yes. Um, Ab Hilshi Buzzy 98, <laughs> probably pronounced it completely wrong. Um, how to start the human flag process? Now, the first point is that all of that is in the virtual classroom. Yeah. Not as a sales pitch, but it is. If you want to know how to get started, we literally go from stage one, uh, full training programs, and you can learn it from absolute scratch. Yeah. So in the, in the virtual classroom, there's one. There's I think there's eleven courses now in there. One of which is is the human flag uh, classroom, where it's a program to follow with week by week and modular uh, approach, where it's broken down and you get to follow along that. You get um, to get the help and support of everyone else that's in the virtual classrooms. A few hundred people in there now and. Um, you get to at the end of each module you get to an assessment to check whether you're ready to move on you get to move and work at a completely your own pace there we break everything down there we um there's also a couple of there's a couple of good view uh, videos on our youtube channel to get you started on the human flag as well yeah a couple of so a couple of things that just you could actually like get started with straight away is the bottom arm is pushing and the top arm is pulling they're the sort of two key elements that the arms are going to do those op two opposite forces create torque which leverage us up the bottom arm um, we like to introduce with a um, like a T push-up style position, so um, on your side and getting used to using that bottom arm as an anchor. The top arm is pulling; it needs to be in a nice active position, which is driving the shoulder down um, and be rather being slack with the shoulder up by the ear. We're actually going to be in, in what we call an active hang, but be able to support ourselves on one side. And then the other thing that you need on for the human flag on that top arm is we need to create a connection on the lateral side, like musculature of that side from the hip to that shoulder. So being able to uh, leverage ourselves up and almost pull the legs up by making a connection from the hip towards the shoulder. They're the three things that you need in a human flag. Uh, recently on Instagram, we posted um, a video about a tucked angle flag, um, which actually is in the eight-week free beginners course. So actually you can get that, 
video as well as part of the eight week free beginners course which is a great way to do those three things all together a push with the bottom arm a pull with the top arm and connect the hip towards that top arm pull uh, if you can start to get those three things integrated in together you're starting to move towards your human flag just the last couple of questions there. there's one about toes pointed or not there's an argument we've done some drills in a handstand where yes toes are pointed to elongate and stretch out the, the, the system to create connection through the chain which creates more stability but then we also did a, a drill with Sam Oldham Olympic gymnast where we were flexing the toes during a handstand yeah. to try and work on some like, diversity and so. it was, there was like activating the the anterior yeah the anterior sling, sling. yeah exactly yeah. so there's, there's cases when yes and no from artistic perspective point them but yes pointing is actually going to help to elongate the, the body a little bit which might help to carry some tension supersets good during muscle gain yes volume volume is a is a really important part of building muscle mass so supersets are a great way to do that on the pointed toes if you're going to the olympics yes you need to point your toes if you're not going to the olympics you can do whatever you want yeah so oh yeah only as asked while doing push-ups i'm facing shoulder pain um, because of that i'm not able to do more than 10 you need to work out what the source of the pain is and our recommendation would be to go and get someone to have a look at that for you we, we can't diagnose pain over um, Instagram and, and there's so many reasons why you could be experiencing some pain so the best thing to do is find someone who can help you um, if you can't do that for whatever reason access or finances or whatever um, again you, you're going to start to do some work on some mobility activation understand how you can move better and there's a, a lot of the resources we put out will always start with movement preparation and, and that might be enough to solve it but we can't specifically say it's going to be this and therefore you need to do X because it could be a whole host of different things so sorry we can't be more specific but my advice would be if you're in pain get someone to help you to understand why and then give you the right rehabilitation exercises to take that away because pain is not good and it's a signal that something is not happy there is if you go back later we'll we'll leave this post live you'll be able to there's a question that tim answered about um shoulder posture a little bit around shoulder improving shoulder uh, range of movement preparation stuff that we're doing all at the start of all of our training and all of our programs that um does cover some stuff in there if you wanted to try some uh, trial some yeah. sort of self uh, release and, and mobility work um that you could be able to listen to the answer because it covers it in there let's hey, the last one yeah, hayward, last one. hayward Mc, mcdonald um, I can't get my legs to move when I'm in the frog position to go into the handstand. Do I need to work on more strength? I know how you feel. I can remember that day when just you're doing a frog stand and nothing will move. Um, and the answer is yes. strength. Get yes. stronger. There's if you it, want to be able to lift your legs off, you've got to be able to do something straight in the arms. That's the only way it's going to happen because you've got to move your legs away from your arms and that is going to come from shoulder strength and predict, particularly actually in that position, a lot of tricep strength. So yeah. more vertical pushing work. more just In fact, more vertical and horizontal pushing work is going to make a massive difference. If you just think that when your knees are on your elbows, they're bypass, some of the weight of your legs is bypassing your shoulder because it's resting on your elbow and going straight down your forearm. For you to be able, for your brain to let you take your legs off it needs to know that your shoulders are strong enough to support all of them all of your weight from your legs without the need for some of it resting on your elbow so until you're strong enough it's going to feel like a mental block that they just will not come off um so work on your pushing strength there's a full the frog to handstand is probably our most popular program um in the virtual classroom so if you want something to be able to follow week by week then have a check out of that um, if you don't want to follow that and, and you just want to figure it out yourself make sure you are getting plenty of pushing work done particularly pike push-ups for that 
Guys, we're going to wrap up there. Yep. I've got a session down at the gym. We've got a class on in Nottingham tonight, so a little bit of work to go and do. So thanks so much for everyone who's engaged and asked questions, for yep. both on the, on the Instagram for the podcast and then on the live session we've just done now. Yeah, keep uh, keep your questions coming in. Um, with the podcast gives us a chance to answer questions in a lot more detail, which we really love. Keep engaging um, with us. Uh, thanks to everyone that watched live and listened along. Um, if you're listening to this on the replay, then uh, thank you for watching. If you are listening, if you've got any questions for future podcasts, make sure you ask them. Uh, you can just send us a direct message on Instagram. Is probably the best place for them. Um, and if you did enjoy the podcast, let us know what you thought of it and feel free to leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you watch. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that we talk about is all in the, in the virtual classroom. So if you, we, it's not just training programs. We yeah. put a lot of stuff around understanding the different um, intricacies of the movement and how to, the training science and how to understand. So a lot of the questions that you're, you're asking are actually answered as yeah. part of the courses in the human flag and the frog to handstand. So we really put a, a ton of information there. So if you want to come and check it out, you can actually get seven days for free. Just go have a tour around the virtual classroom and see what it's all about. Fill your boots with some knowledge, some training programs. Yeah. And if you want to stay and join us, we'd be more than happy to have you. So, there's nothing else really to say to him other than, until next time, class dismissed.